welcome to A for No, B for Yes, the Zelda theme podcast where we go chapter by chapter through the game. Last week in A Link to the Past, we saw the Palace of Darkness. And this week now, equipped with our new magical mallet, we are headed towards the Swamp Palace. As always, I'm your co-host Ryan Fonzie, and with me are... I'm Cameron Hagee, the mallet that we got out of the Palace of Darkness. And I'm Tony Giggles, a tree that just will never stop growing. He's the world tree. He's Yggdrasil. <laughs> You're going to throw off our gravity, bro. <laughs> it's actually funny because I'm wearing a Yggdrasil necklace. Nice. I'm going to go plummeting into the sun. Oh. Or we'll catch the moon. I don't know which one will be more devastating. Why not both? <laughs> At the same time, At we'll the throw same the moon. Ta- into the sun. And then be as close as possible when it explodes. Yeah. yeah, Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Cool, cool. So, uh, I just wanted to, I mean, I need to jump right into this thing, but like, guys, last time I I made a mistake because (gasps) I said there wasn't anything we could do with the mallet except for go to the next place, and that's just not true. (laughs) There, There are things you can do with a magical mallet. The thing is, you there's not really much to do with it in the dark world yet. It's just all in the light world, and I just didn't think to even do that to go back. One one thing that is specifically of note because there's a lot of uh, listen, there's a lot of opportunities to like get heart pieces and do things like that, but I'm not as interested in heart pieces in this game. But what I am interested in is the Mad Batter. Have you guys met this guy, the Mad Batter? I have. You have. Okay. So not the Mad yet. Batter. <laughs> the Mad Batter lives beneath the uh, the blacksmith's house, and while we can't actually help the blacksmith find his uh, his brother yet, <laughs> we can <laughs> knock down a little uh, a little post and jump into his well. And if you do that, you'll uh, you'll find a pretty eerie uh, bottom of the well scene, which uh, you know is a little bit reminiscent of another game we've played, but in Instead of being a, a torture chamber, it's more of a um, <laughs> an altar of of uh, of dark magics. It seems it, to me, it looks like a cauldron of blood. I don't know what the appearance of the room looks like to you, but you go down there, you you head I... up a square, and it's just like straight up looks like you're supposed to offer a sacrifice. Yeah, it, it's it's either ketchup or blood. <laughs> it, it could be a red potion. Yeah, it's where the it's where, the, it's where the blacksmiths keep their ketchup. <laughs> they didn't have refrigeration back then, so what you did was you'd, you'd build a tunnel until it was cold. All your ketchup underground so far. But uh, for the longest time, the first time playing through the game, I had no idea what this was. Like, I had found it, didn't bother looking it up. I just, you know, messed around, tried to use any item I could think of. Uh, didn't think of the right item for some reason and ended up leaving. I did not understand what it was I was looking at. Turns out what you need to do is throw some magic powder into the altar. Uh, and when you do that, you awaken this this bat who is known as the Mad Batter. I don't even think he says his name in this game. But later, I guess other games kind of point out who it is. And uh, they are weirdly stuck between being polite and being... Uh, angry. They're trying to make themselves seem like bigger and more powerful than they are, and it's like they're trying to be intimidating. But you can kind of tell that they're actually kind of soft and not that way. And to the point where, in in his own <laughs> insecurity, kind of tries to curse you into uh, having half magic, and instead it kind of backfires, and it ends up being the case that all of your spells cost half magic. So. It's actually a pretty amazing buff. You played yourself. He said this spell wrong, just like Harry Potter, and he saw this spell wrong, it just backfires. Yeah, he's so proud of himself. He's like, ah, now now you have half the magical power, and he leaves. And it really (laughs) sounds like that's what you're going to have until you test it out, and you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Everything costs half the power, which uh, is fantastic. I mean, in this game, you get some pretty crazy spells, and you get some pretty good magical items that either cost like a burning amount as you use them or have like a you know a one-time use use cost um and any of those 
being cut in half is going to be super helpful throughout the game. So getting it this early on especially is super helpful, given that we still have six more dungeons to take care of. I'd say. And some of them really need magic. I haven't used it yet after I got it because this was one of the last things that I actually did before I I stopped playing. But this guy gives me betrayal vibes. I don't know if you felt that. Like I know he looks a little bit different, but he's giving me betrayal vibes. I'm I'm sure betrayal his his uh image was at least somewhat inspired by this, by the mad batter. It really seems like that's especially is, if it, you look up in that he like calls you sir and like doesn't know if he's trying to be mean or trying to be <laughs> polite. Like it just <laughs> yeah. seems like like betrayal in his confused like college years or something, you know? He's like trying to figure out who I am, you know. Before realizing he wanted to be a human, mm. but I totally I, I, I agree with that completely. It even says in his wiki that his race is a demon. I was like, uh, oh, Petro, like even more so. And if you look at his, if you look at his wiki picture, it is wild, like straight out of the Petro picture or the Mad Batter picture. The Mad Batter picture, straight out of like a lab. Really, we're on some genie stuff. Yeah. Oh, I think I think I'm looking at the wrong. I'm looking at the Zelda fandom one right now. Here, I'll Discord it. Has him listed as a bat and just has like a has a the Link's Awakening remake version of him, which does not look like anything out of Aladdin. That's what he looks like. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a better representation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is not what he looks. I mean, in game he's made of pixels, but yeah, no, he doesn't look like that at all. In the game, he just looks like a purple keese. <laughs> right. Here, it's like, yeah, he looks like a genie. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I didn't realize this. There's a few other things we can do if you are uh, clever about how you get around the world, but they're not really that important yet. Nothing that's going to like fill out our inventory or do anything. It's, like, it's mostly heart pieces aside from this. There's one other thing um, that you can do uh in the overworld before we go to the swamp palace that i guess the the only other thing that i would note for now is the the flute yeah so so we remember from the light world kakariko there's a dad in the bar who mentions that his son always liked to play the flute um but that he went looking for the golden power so in this world i mean even in the regular world if you kind of went to the west of your house and went up into a little like garden path up into the woods. There was a um, there was a grove with a kid. It seemed to be somebody playing the flute, but they would kind of disappear off screen. And they had a bunch of woodland creatures around them that would then run away and scatter when Link approached. So you can never get close enough to talk to them or figure out what's going on. It's just like this weird scene of what appeared to be almost like a forest nymph situation where they would just like vanish every time you got anywhere close. Um, but that is, uh, that is kind of a reference to this flute boy who has disappeared into the dark world. So, um, in the dark world, if you go to that same area, um, you can find pretty much the same pathway in. It's like a bunch of overgrown plants you can just cut through or pick, um, to get back there. Sorry to interrupt you, Fonz. What's up? But did you know there's actually a few trees that you can talk to in the dark world? And there's one right outside of this path that you can talk to. And he tells you that he came to the dark world and then he was actually turned into a tree. Oh, I talked to that guy. Yeah. I did not talk to that guy. I didn't there, know that. It's right by there the are, shovel, right? Yeah, by the shovel. There are some yeah, trees yeah. that are blinking and their mouths are moving and you can talk to them. And there's one later that'll even kick a bomb out at you and tell you to go away. Oh, I know about the ones throwing bombs. Because, like, if there's some trees where you just get close to them, they just throw bombs at you. Yeah, there was one later on I talked to, and it did the same thing. Uh, but this is the first one, I think, that I ran into. And i just just saying, like, the, not only do people get turned into monsters when they come here, sometimes they get turned into trees. Yeah, that's got to be pretty rough, because how do you get back if you're a tree? <laughs> you got too many roots, man. You ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Can you imagine going through a teleporter and then suddenly... You just are stuck in the ground, and in the world you just came from, apparently there's another tree to parallel you, just also stuck in the ground. It's like, there is no teleporter anymore. You're never going home. Sorry. You're a tree now. <laughs> that's like a, that's like a, 
a serious horror story. But at least, I mean, you get bombs to protect yourself, I guess. I don't yeah, know. you just have an infinite bomb factory within yourself. <laughs> it's like, you go to the dark world, it reveals your true inner being. <laughs> so what you're saying is, I had this calm exterior, but I was really explosive on the inside. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's great. I, I don't know. It's... There's a lot you could say about being a tree with that shoots bombs. That's uh, very, it's very deep. It's anyway. very random. <laughs> um, so we do make our way into this area, and you find, uh, I don't, I don't know if there's an enemy that correlates to this guy. It's like an orange elephant humanoid because it's like a human-ish person with like a trunk, and they're full orange. Right. That's what I'm, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if that counts as being a moblin in this game or what it it's, um, but it's definitely like kind of a unique NPC from what I, from what I understand. There's some shopkeepers who kind of look like they might be the same species, but, um, mm. yeah, you go and you talk to him and he's like, oh yeah, in the light world, I love to play the flute, but then I buried it under some flowers. <laughs> he basically asks you if you're, if you, uh, are interested in this thing at all. And if you say yes, he's like, all right, then I'll lend you my shovel. And he hands you the shovel. And um, it's such a wild story because he's like, oh, yeah, I went to go look, went to go to the Golden Land to look for the power. So I just buried my flute under some flowers. Like, what? Who does that? Why would you do that? Anyway, so you, what you <laughs> do is he gives you this shovel and you can just go right back to the light world where he supposedly buried the flute and just go on a little digging spree. <laughs> um, it is under, it is under flowers. Like, there, there are flower, you know, Pixel art in the, in the grass. Yeah, flower textures all around. And so, like, that's the one hint you get is that it's not under plain grass. It's under flowers. So you just pick any of the flower spots. But the one I've... I don't know if it's always in the same spot, but it's, like, towards the upper left of the grove. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's always in the same spot. But uh, I, I kind of spam-clicked through the whole flower thing, so I excavated that forest... <laughs> <laughs> nice i thought it was in the upper left and i hit up most of the upper left but i must have skipped out on one or two of the flower patches Ugh. and then i kind of <laughs> went to almost every other area of it for at least 20 to 30 squares of digging before i went back to the upper left and then found it this man over here committing deforestation no nah, no nah, oh. i didn't knock down the trees my guy i was uh tilling the land yeah i'm yeah, farmer yeah, link yeah yeah, yeah. Planting, some, planting some yeah. seeds i had you know in case those tilling. those flowers had uh, some some seeds and pollen and stuff it's just Someone helping them out over there and just see 20 holes think it's the holes movie over here <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there wasn't any lizards if you leave and come <laughs> back though i mean the grass does all come back immediately so you know it's That's all true. good but if you get this flute, I honestly don't even know how you're supposed to know what to do next with it. But I did. I don't know how I figured it out the first time. I really don't. But I, you go if you. Take I do it to think the, that there is an NPC that says something about there used to be a bird that flew somebody around on its back, and ooh, it looks an awful lot like the one in Kakariko Village. Yeah, and we talked about the like the 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 chicken lady who mentions the weather vane and. Yeah. There's a there's a couple different people who like point out that there's something fishy about it. But I don't know if there's anyone who specifically says that you should go play your flute there. No, I don't uh, I don't think anyone directly tells you you have to use the flute at it, but maybe piecing together you could hear that like the person that rode around on the bird also played the flute or something like that. I'd imagine there's something to point you there. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably lore here that we just don't know and I'm missing. And if honestly, listener, if you hear this and you're like screaming right now, just just write us. Find us. Send us an email. Find me on Twitter. It's A for no B for yes. You know. We we put it in the description. Let us know and we'll uh we'll credit you. Yeah, we'll we'll own up to it and we'll be like this guy. He helped us out. But what we do know is what you can do with this flute is you can take it over to the weather main in the middle of Kakariko and play the flute. And it's like the most intricate time you will ever play the flute, so take note of it if you do this. Oh. Um because Link Link's got a whole He's got a whole opus up in his brain, just on auto. Um, yeah. I had to teach him how to play it. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like how the songs extend in Ocarina of Time when you play them, except someone's teaching you. Yeah, so you, you play this this ditty, and uh, suddenly the the weather vane like just self destructs into this bird that then flies away in triumph. Um, 
<laughs> I'm free. And it's it's like it's like a little duck about the size of the weather vane, but it has a very dramatic entrance. And um and then from then on you can play the flute and it's like just the first first you know what four or five notes of the song and uh that duck will return to give Link a fast travel option to any to any of I wanna say six or seven locations across the map. Yeah. But it can't be used in the dark world, unfortunately. No, not at all. That duck doesn't have a dark world counterpart. No. Dang. But that really it harkens back to the uh, the Gary riding on the Pidgey meme for me, mm. and I love it because that little duck is like a quarter of the size of Link on the screen, and yet he just kind of puts his hand up, and the duck's like, I got you, and doesn't even slow down or nothing. It's the one that watches over the cuckoos. <laughs> The Lord of the Evil Cuckoos. Yeah, he's on Link's side, man. <laughs> he's just planning on dropping oh. you one of these times. He's waiting for you to drop your guard. Yeah, I think one of the things the game doesn't tell you is that near most of your drop-off points, and not always like in the same square, but usually like one or two map overworld squares away, there's a there's a, a teleporter to the Dark World. So it's just kind of like something to think, like keep an eye out. Cause like later on to get to temples, it's a lot easier to kind of fly there in the light world than find the nearby teleporter and go from there. Um, and that's not always obvious. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I would try to get to the dark world and then make my way through the entire dark world map to get somewhere. And that bird actually fast travels you to a lot of convenient places to, to just kind of skip over a lot faster. But again, game doesn't really tell you that. <laughs> It tells you that there are dark world teleporters all over the place, but it doesn't like mark them out for you or anything. Yeah, I had no idea they were all pretty close to where the birds dropped you. Yeah, from what I remember anyway, like the one in the desert, I think you actually need to fly there with the bird and then get it from there. Um, but that's like a later dungeon. And then there's a that's when I first like realized that that was even happening. And then as I started to find other teleport spots, I was like, oh, this is right by where the bird drops me off in the light world. And so. I don't know if it's a hard and fast rule, but I know that for, for a f at least for, I want to say, three or four instances I can think of, it's like really convenient to use the bird and then find the teleporter. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to get that flute next time. You will have to get that flute. It's yeah, like, boy. It's so good. So now that we have our shovel and our flute and our magic mallet and our doubled magic power, uh, we can head back to the dark world and we can... Uh, scoot on over to the swamp palace so i actually had a slight issue getting into the swamp palace and i think it has to do with uh just the limitations of the games back on the old hardware and so you know before you actually go in you have to go into the light world version and pull a switch to make the water flow or else you really can't get anywhere in the dungeon yes mm -hmm. Now, when I tried to do it, I went into the light world just originally. I basically flew there with the the super duck into the spot, and then I went in, I turned the water on, then I went up and I found the teleporter, and I went back down. And the limitation I think I found is that if you do that, the water is no longer there in the palace. You can't mm. move multiple screens on the overworld and then go back and have that water still be there. And it actually took gotcha. me a minute to figure out I had to go there in the dark world, use the mirror, leave behind a portal, go in, do it, leave, and then immediately go back to the dark world and then go into the palace is like the only way to actually get it set up right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing it's to note. You could actually get stuck at that point if you think you have to turn it on and then go to the portal. If you don't use the mirror specifically, the game will not let you get past this point. Yeah. So this is like the rule of everything that happens in the dark world has a corresponding action in the light world. This is like the, the one major time where they actually ask you to, to do that. Yeah. There's a, there's a few, like the spectacle rock trick where you teleport in a certain spot. Like there's a few of those throughout the game, but this is really the only thing I can think of where they really want you to make a change in the dark world that, or make a change in one world that happens in the other to benefit you. And so that was like the only clue you kind of had from from the previous chapter, I'll say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because if you try to go here, just outright dark world, go in, you're going to find this empty place where you can kind of like go down some stairs and immediately find a dead end. 
but you go to the light world, hit a switch, it floods, you go outside, and there's like a fish flopping around on the ground because you just emptied the entire <laughs> lake into the, the palace. <laughs> I think there's a heart piece sitting out there too, like a like a you know, a quarter piece or whatever. Just some it's kind of funny, I thought, anyway. But <laughs> you go back to the dark world and you can actually take on the dungeon. Kind of a cool effect, kind of a cool introduction to this place. Um, now, overall, how did how did you guys like really feel about this dungeon as a whole? Because personally, I struggled more in the dark palace than I did in this place. This was very straightforward. I found every bomb wall pretty much immediately first time I was in that room. I, I really didn't struggle at all outside of just. Well, I'll talk about that when we get to a, the end of it. But yeah. Um. Well, this, like many dungeons in this game, uh, I do t- tend to take a lot of damage from things, especially when it's like going up and down stairs or jumping off of ledges down into yeah places where there are a lot of like fast moving enemies. You know, why don't I just go on a small rant when you brought that up? Because the fact that I can throw a bomb from the top of these stairs to the clear bottom of these stairs and have that bomb explode on a different layer that doesn't exist to the things underneath it makes me want to chuck my Game Boy at the wall. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that. This dungeon you cannot even hurt the enemies at the bottom of the stairs. You cannot go down those stairs without taking damage. Yeah, there's a couple places like that where it's just horrible that is super Um, frustrating there's a later part in this dungeon too where there's a room that's got some skaters on the water and the only way in and out of those water is a couple different uh ladders and if you go into the wrong ladder they're gonna be right on top of it you cannot get back down or hurt them you have to just take damage yeah yeah there's a lot of uh, it's like damage taxes in this place it's it's weird yeah pretty much this Um, might be a little far in to the dungeon no, I don't think it's too far, but it's it's just a room where there's the hovers they're called, which is the water bugs. You would think they're tectites, they're not tectites, they're just called hovers. Huh. And the water gibos. I think water you're talking gibos, about the same thing. Those are the dudes that swim through the water really fast and bounce off walls, right? Yes. <laughs> when I first got into this yeah. dungeon, I had no clue what I was doing. It took me a while to even realize, yeah, you can hurt these guys. I thought it was like, oh, I better steer clear of this because it's just straight up water. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm like, maybe not hurt them. And then I realized you can actually just one tap them. And I'm like, <laughs> I went through half of the dungeon and you get one hit. They do look so like there's just supposed to be a environmental hazard because they're made of water. Um, but yeah, you can just cut them and they're done. But it, I mean, they do move pretty fast for that even, so. I don't know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on in this temple. I mean, overall, I mean, because it wasn't my first time recently playing through it, I knew a lot of what to expect. Uh, the first time I played it, I think I had watched somebody stream a little bit of it. So I knew that somewhere in this dungeon, temple, whatever you want, palace, whatever, uh, there was like a, a, a waterfall that you needed to walk through. Mm-hmm. And had I not seen it, I would have never known to even try that. Like, I would not have thought, oh, if I just walk into this waterfall, there will be a hidden no. passage. I think me. he would have, uh, because it, it very clearly shows on the map that there's a room coming out of that room and that it's on the right side and that yeah, it's exactly ma- where map, the waterfall was. A map check might have got me there. You're right. That's but, how I got there. Yeah. No, I just... There's there's stuff like that in this temple where I mean there's like there's some supply rooms with bomb walls and stuff like that and From there wasn't history. anything that super stumped me like I definitely went in circles a couple times um, because like you there's like one area where you need to hit a blue switch like one of those yeah. blue and red switches to um, get to like a lever to open up some water and do that and then later on like three rooms away there's like some red blocks up in yep. the air and you need to. You need to go all the way back and hit that switch again and then go back to another room. Like, you have to find yeah. another way through. So, like, the, the switch forward. would it's block just... you. You had to have it in the way that blocked you from immediately getting back to the room you wanted to. And then you had to take a roundabout way to get back to that room to continue on so that they're down later on. Right. But you didn't know you needed to do no. that until you got down later on at least once. And yep. that, that was the part that, like, it just it felt like it took so much time to just like backtrack through the temple and do all these things over again. Um, 
I wasted yeah, like five minutes part. just looking around for another switch until I was like, apparently I have to go all the way back to the other one. Yeah. No, it's it had some it had some water level issues for sure. Um well I mean overall I have fun with this dungeon though. The boss is like I mean I well we we'll talk about that when we get to it, I guess. But like yeah, we, we that, missed that was a highlight for me, is what I'll say. Um but the other highlight is when you get the hook shot. Yeah, boy. After doing all that crazy roundabout stuff. Because that's how you get the big key. And then you go back and you get that hook shot. And suddenly this whole place becomes trivial and fun. Because <laughs> uh, you could, that's the whole second level to that one room. It's like a, it's like one of the first rooms you head into. There's, there's all these big platforms um, and just water channels going through them. And really it's just a pass through the first time you get there. But after you open up that big chest and get the hook shot, suddenly you're like shooting around at different like little pillars and getting keys and stuff. And it's like, it's just, it's just a good time. The hook shot is the best thing to fight the jellyfish with. Uh, I forget their names, but all the jellyfish die in one hit from the hook shot, regardless of anything else. Yeah, yeah, The jellyfish yeah. had the same name, actually, of the jellyfish in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, they're, they're like Bari, right? Yeah. And Baronade, same name. <laughs> I just didn't realize that you could hookshot skulls. <laughs> no game, no Zelda game have you been able to hookshot a, a skull on the ground. It's always been a pillar or like a target of some sort. I guess that's what the new age that Ocarina of Time brought in. But like, it yeah, took me a second no, to realize, it's... wait, 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 wait. There's a, there's a cliff and then kind of like a separation I didn't even realize the hookshot could go that far it's, initially until I actually just let it rip. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, well. Yeah, it's like the primary so I, thing you hookshot to in this game is skulls. The skulls. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? Wouldn't you just bring the skull with you? I, I'm mine, mine like game physics for a second. Like, you hookshot a skull, I, I, you're bringing that thing with you. Yeah, like you're, you weigh more than that. So, <laughs> realistically, <laughs> that the hookshot that goes boing, which is, you know, Another thing that gets referenced in later games is um is gonna boing that back to you. It's not gonna boing you over to it. Yeah, but it, it's definitely a enemy killer for sure. I was using that thing to kill the water guys and the jellyfish, like Cameron said. Yeah, it's nice. It's a it's a lot like um it's a lot like that moment when you get the when you get the boomerang in Jabu Jabu, and suddenly everything just becomes a boomerang problem. It's like every, everything in this place just becomes a hookshot problem, and it's easily solvable as long as you have that equipped. <laughs> Pretty much. So, um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and after you get that is when you end up in those rooms where you need to know to, like, you know, go through a waterfall, and uh, just a few extra pathways. Because after you get the hookshot, you're pretty much on the boss run at that point. So the game throws a few other little curveballs, but really it's it's nothing major. And we end up getting to... Our baronade boss at the end. Are you ready? Ready for his name? Yeah. Ready? What's his name? Hargus. Bargus. Argus. Argus. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Bargus the baronade is what I'm calling. <laughs> and and it gets better. It gets better. Hold up. It gets better. Oh, the little Very dudes. Good. Or what are they called? Little bubbles, okay? Little bubbles are called Argies. 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 Dude, it's Argus and the Argies. I love it. B B Bargus <laughs> and the Argus. <laughs> oh, goodness. Episode title. <laughs> All right, so. I, I mean, sure. Right? It, sound, it sounds like a terrible band from, like, the 80s. Exactly. Argus and the Argies. Yeah, one hit wonder. There you go. Except he takes multiple hits. I instantly hits. got... Uh, once I rocked in the room, instantly visioned straight into Majora's Mask with that... I don't know the name of the enemy, but I know you both know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah it, no. It's in the... It's the ocular, whatever goodness. it's called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. the bubbles around it and everything. Yeah. I don't remember the temple or, or name of it, but that's what I felt. Wait. What are we doing? I don't. I'm not getting it. It 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 reminds Anthony of a Majora's Mask boss. You got to shoot the eye, get the bubbles around, and shoot the eye. Eh, eh, never mind. We'll we'll get to it when we get to Majora's Mask in like six years. You know. <laughs> yeah, in forever from now. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about this. 
Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> um, the the first phase of this fight where you're you're hooking the Argies off Argus, uh, I had no issue with whatsoever. But it was when he goes into phase two and he drops down and hits the water and then just kind of starts pinballing off the walls. For some reason, my mind was like, "You got to hit this guy with arrows." And it turns out it's really hard to hit this guy with arrows and totally unnecessary. <laughs> and so I died. I did the same thing. I died trying to use my arrows. Uh, and then proceeded to die like eight times trying to run through the rest of the dungeon to get back to him without any fairies and starting with like the six hearts that the game gave me and got really frustrated and ended up putting it down for a couple days and had to come back and go visit a fairy fountain and get fairies in my bottles and then go back. And that's when I beat it by using my sword. Mm, that's hmm. that's sad. Yeah. I had a similar similar thing happen. I got wrecked. Don't feel <laughs> I got wrecked too. I fought him. And I did the arrow thing first at the same way. And I died. And then I was like, I have to run through the entire dungeon. Yo. Mm. Finally got back to him. And I was like, no, we are Dark Soulsing this. We're using a stake of America right now. <laughs> so I created a suspend point because that's what the Switch lets you do. So I created a suspend point, suspended right before the boss room. I went through the temple. There's like a few side rooms before you get to the boss that you can max hearts out. There's like a few skulls and jars you can break. Max my hearts out. I found a fairy somewhere in the dungeon. Don't remember where that was. I think there's a chest room with like four treasure chests. And then if you go to the left of there, there's a bomb wall that you can break. I believe that's where it was. Anyway, I found a fairy. I come back in, proceeded to die like (laughs) at least four more times. (laughs) Oh, I straight man. up dark sold this. I think it I think I beat him on my fifth or sixth try. And yeah, uh, that yeah, it was not pretty. It wasn't even that hard of a fight. The beginning part's so easy. It's when he starts bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. The beginning is 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 you know, you, you just pick off a piece and chop it down, you know? Mm-hmm. And then once he's down to just you know, just him, it's like fighting the uh the old DVD logo, like screensaver, <laughs> where it's just bouncing <laughs> from corner to corner. You kind of gotta like predict where it's gonna be based off of just the that. Windows XP <laughs> boss fight. <laughs> pretty, pretty the much. The is when he jumps down and then just proceeds to just skid across the ground, and you have no clue what direction he's going. Oh, and you want to know what else is great? You remember... Okay, I'll stop talking like that. You remember those rocks that <laughs> fell off of the mountain and how the rock would be nowhere near you? It's supposed to be midair, but because it mm-hmm. went through your character model, it hit you? This guy does the same thing, even if he's dropping down to the very bottom of the room. If you are up at the top of the room and his model even touches you, you get hit. Even though he's supposed to be in the air in a totally different area of the room because he went through your character model on his way down. Damage. Yeah, them them old school hitbox is really something, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all they had to do was make the character model not have a hurt box on the way down until it hit the ground. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, but no, I mean, that's... uh, Yeah, I mean, so... Eventually, we we get the timing down. I mean, you have, you have to do this like more than three times for whatever reason. Like he just keeps falling down. You just have to keep hitting him. Um, he gets it's mad. Gets so fast. I, I think uh, it might only he dies. It might only take three tries if you hit him with spin attacks each time because they deal double oh. normal strike damage. Yeah, maybe. I watched a YouTube video after this fight because I was like, there has to be an easier way to beat this man. There is. You just have to hit him with the ice rod four times, and that's it. No. Wait, is nice. that before you even take the Argies? No, no, after Argies, oh, okay. you hit him with the ice rod four times. But the ice rod's so fast that it's really hard for him to outrun that. Oh. is it? Does he always drop in the same spot? So could you just like sit there and wait for him to hit and then hit him with the ice rod immediately? I think he drops in response to where you are in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't always hit the, the same di- spot, but I was always towards the center of the room. So he'd always start and then do like a big diagonal across the entire room. And I would just like, as he was falling, I would run down a little bit and then turn back around and he would like, I would catch him on one of his, on one of his paths and just slash him that way. Burr. Yeah. 
it's to me it's easier to track him if he's on the big diagonal rather than actually hitting every wall of the room over and over you know like if he's if he's making a big square you are going to have a bad time if he's making oh, no. a big one line across the room it's a little bit easier to to predict him and hit him I'm good man I played uh, Rocket League for 350 hours if I can keep track of that ball and all the other people <laughs> hitting it I I can keep track of where this guy's going to bounce off a wall uh, <laughs> So for all those Rocket Leaguers out there, this fight's easy peasy. <laughs> Just keep your eye on the ball. Just keep your eye on the ball. <laughs> oh, goodness. The keep your eye on the Bargy, right? Yeah. Bargy, Argus. Then we get our heart container, we get another big old heart, and then we get a crystal, and we get a cutscene. <laughs> we saved another princess. Or maiden. Sorry. <laughs> Well, it's yep one of the one of the maidens here, um, and this one gives us a lore we've heard. Um, Yay! Again, reiteration, I mean, uh, yeah, reiterations. <laughs> um, I you know some of these actually do give you some unique dialogue down the road, but these ones seem to kind of all be have the same focus. Um, this one lets us know that the Triforce grants wishes uh, to the person who's touched it as long as that person lives. So. Everything we've known about the Triforce is a little bit off, if that's true, uh, because our understanding is you touch the Triforce, it like grants your 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 big wish, right? Like normally you have to like have one big thing that you want to be true in the world, and like the world kind of morphs according to that. Um, but in this one, it's like no, as long as as long as Ganondorf has this Triforce, the world's gonna keep bending to his will, which doesn't seem like is true, but I mean, hey, that's what she says. And basically she says the, the, the Triforce was hidden away in this land because of that. And the person who eventually found it was Ganondorf, the evil thief. Fortunately, he couldn't figure out how to return to the Golden Land or return to the Light World, I guess. He couldn't figure his way back out of the Golden Land. And so basically this became the Dark World and he is the guy making it that way. So... She reminds you that you, as Link, have specific magical powers that only you can take advantage of, and that you need to defeat the evil King of Darkness, which is now like Ganondorf's new title, uh, not the not the evil thief anymore. Now he's the uh, the evil King of Darkness. Again, she ends her she ends her spiel with you know may the path of the hero lead to the Triforce, which is a uh, fantastic little uh, what what would you call it a salutation. <laughs> And uh, sends us on our way. So I I think the bit about him constantly having influence over the Triforce makes sense in this game's universe. Because in like Ocarina of Time, for example, as soon as Ganondorf got there and touched it, it was like, whoa, this guy's not very balanced and split apart. He still got his wish, but he didn't actually have governance over the Triforce, but in this game, in this world, the Ganon or Ganon straight up has the Triforce. Like he still has it; it's in his possession. So every moment he has it, his wish is being renewed. Basically, is how I think of it. Yeah, it just it seems like eventually down the line, it would be like, well, I wish for this fight to be a lot harder for Link, and like <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you think you'd have some new wishes that would make things a little more complicated, and that that's never part of the plot true i mean maybe that's what his powers are uh, we could go into the details of that fight right now in this talk but i don't think we should <laughs> i wouldn't know a thing yeah no we don't want to spoil it for him but yeah with the power of the hook shot this this is the first time that i had ever figured out how to get to the rest of dark world hyrule um because there's one specific place you can hook shot across the river yeah it's by the witch's hut yeah yeah or by the witch's hut uh turns out um, a lot of walkthroughs will actually have you fly the bird over to some other area and just find a teleporter. Uh, It'll take you over to the dark world in different areas that I would have never even known were there. So at least for me, on my first run and on this run, I did the same thing, and that is use that hookshot spot to get across. Mm-hmm. And I guess if that's the common experience, then uh, this would be the first time that we would run into the dark world version of the graveyard that is outside the sanctuary first place i went after that cross yeah uh so there's a uh there's a specific tombstone on the upper right hand side like the northeast you could call it corner of the graveyard that you can't really get to yet in the light world 
but you can get to it if you go into that square in the dark world and then use your magic mirror. Um, and by doing that, you can kind of like sneak your way in there and do a little dash into the grave, into the tombstone, and it'll open up a secret bath that'll give you your magic cloak. This thing is fantastic. It's actually, it's actually like the B tier of a set of items that you can get in this game. Um, mm. Because there's actually a better item that you can get that you are going to have the best time getting once you have the magic cloak. So what this cloak does is it makes you invisible and immune to most damage sources. I think actually all damage sources, you could say. It lets you pass through certain things, but not not anything too crazy. Mostly just enemies. <laughs> um, it's like this red cloak. It'll you know, It's basically like an invisibility cloak. Like You put it on, and that's what it looks like. You just kind of disappear off screen, nothing but a shadow, and you can kind of run around that way. Man, this is just Harry Potter references left and right. First, we got the bat going to Diagon Alley instead of Diagon Alley, and now we've got an invisibility cape. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and you can take this cape up to uh, up onto uh, Death Mountain and find that weird cave that has all the little spikes coming out of the ground. And there's a mm-hmm. couple of little like uh, pink, like little bonkers. Yeah, little whack-a-mole guys. And if you smack those down, you can use this magic cloak, especially if you have the half magic that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. And you can run across all of these spikes that are taking up this entire path. Um, and if you run down the entire spike path, you'll find a chest at the end. If you open it up, you can get a staff. And I actually don't even remember what the name of the staff is. Hold on. Uh, I didn't get that yet. I did not either. It basically, once you have this, the cloak is obsolete. <laughs> um, Oh, yeah, the Cane of Burna. So I guess this was featured in Soul Calibur 2 as well, which I did not know, <laughs> but that's, that is a fantastic piece of trivia. Um, yeah, it is. But this also protects Link and keeps him from taking damage. It doesn't turn him invisible, but it puts up like a little barrier field around him, and it takes less magic than the cloak, and so, so it'll last longer, and it has the same effect. So a lot of times... I don't know if um, I don't know if it's a speedrunning thing or what, but like a lot of times, if you watch somebody play this game, you watch somebody stream and they have this cane, they'll go into a boss stream straight up, just pop it and just go to town because you can just run in and just <laughs> ignore damage and just do whatever it is you need to do while this thing is active. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's super helpful if you get it. Uh, you can get it pretty much right away because um, nothing's stopping you aside from that. having the hammer and the cloak. Uh, the first time I ever got this item, the cane of Berna, I did not know about the cloak and I did not have the cloak. And what I did have was like two or three fairies and the will oh, to keep moving. No. <laughs> you made it though? I made it. Yeah. I took a lot of damage, but I made it to the end and got the cane and then used the cane hey. to get back out. <laughs> so, so it actually ended up working out because I had no idea what That's was in the amazing. cave. I was like, if worst comes to worst, I'll just game over and go back to my house. But, you know. That's great. Um, at the end, it was like, this will keep you from taking damage. I was like, oh, bet. <laughs> Let me escape with this. So I, I wanted to talk about my experience finding the cape because I didn't know this was, an, I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know this was part of the I'm just playing the game as my first playthrough. I almost died in the graveyard. I was taking mad damage. I think I had like one or two hearts left. I instant panic mode, just complete panic mode, ran into the corner where it is the corner of the gravestone. So I ran into that corner panicking, like I need to get out of here. So I used the magic mirror and got trapped. So I thought, and I was like, all right, so I'm in a predicament here. Either I go back to the dark world and die or figure out a way something like why why is this like blocked off there's got to be something with this gravestone i figured out you know how to get into it and story's history but yeah i found it by accident because i was dying (laughs) okay straight up yeah it was it was a one of the best finds in this game i was like i get an item for being a weenie (laughs) it's an item that helps me be a weenie (laughs) (laughs) even better (laughs) Uh, no. I should have explored the graveyard. I just kind of sprinted on by it on my way to the woods. Yeah, man. Between, um, 
between these new items and like the medallions that we've gotten and all of the other items we've got, I mean, there, I think there's only like maybe two spaces left in the inventory after you do all of these things. Um, if you did them all. So it's, it's kind of crazy because there's still, you know, six more dungeons to go through. Uh, so it's just like, you can fill out your inventory really fast in this game. Like before you're even halfway through it, you can almost have all the tools you could want. Um, and it's, uh, it's pretty fantastic because of that. <laughs> um, I think, I think after, yeah, no, I won't, I won't get into it cause there's future dungeons, but I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna finish out pretty quick. There's like one item that we don't get until towards the end of the game. Um, and uh, for the other four dungeons before that, you can pretty much have a full inventory. So it's um, this game is very generous with the item, like with the with the actual tools that it gives you to get through things. Um, it's really cool. I don't know. <laughs> and that last item we get is not going to be that amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It's it has a very of, specific purpose. It's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. Um. The thing that I was going to say about this is, uh, you know, like the the three uh, medallions. I mean, this is kind of common knowledge at this point, but the the medallions that we get um, are kind of reminiscent of the medallions that we get throughout Ocarina of Time. Um, and the idea that I've heard, anyway, kind of tossed around, is that this game was originally in each of these dungeons going to be giving us a new medallion. Like originally, there was going to be however many palaces there were. Like each one, we you know we'd save a princess, we get a medallion, kind of like you know Ocarina of Time does it with the sages, but each of those medallions would then have a spell associated with it, and instead of having that, they're just like okay, maybe not, maybe not that, maybe we just have three, and we kind of put them in the overworld instead, and that way it's not it's not really associated. There's there's three dungeons specifically that require them to get into. Um, we're still not running into those yet, so. Don't worry about getting them before the next palace, you know, but um, it's just a cool concept to to kind of say like, okay, this game was originally going to be very heavy on the magic. I mean, it still is, still is pretty heavy on the magic, um, but it kind of makes me wonder if, uh, if the Legend of Zelda, I mean, if you know, if you know the adventure of Link, you know that that game is super magic heavy so too. So magic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like you, it's almost like required that you you're going to be using spells everywhere you go. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of, I'm like, I'm wondering what the other four spells would have been. You know, like I wonder if um, if Link was originally kind of written to be more of a wizard than to be just the sword and board character, <laughs> um, <laughs> like straight up Doctor Strange out here just doing all these crazy spells. Yeah, if you think about it, as the games progressed. Link actually retained less and less magical abilities. Yeah. Take, for example, Ocarina of Time. We learned a few spells. Wasn't a crazy amount of spells like LTTP or Adventure of Link, but enough. Wind Waker, there really wasn't too much magic going on. There was a little bit. Right. And then with the coming... Uh, Four Swords, I don't really want to talk about that, <laughs> Add a lot of magic in it, but uh, yeah, as the games progressed with Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, and then even further with Breath of the Wild, you had a tablet to do everything for you. There really wasn't, it's just degressed with magic abilities. You became more of a warrior versus yeah, it definitely took on more of like the explorer role where, where Link had just had the tools for the job and you know, even even the magical items seem to be pretty specific in what they were meant for and what you could do with them. Um, versus er- earlier games where they would give you a spell and it'd be like, well, it, it'll do damage in these areas or it'll protect you in this way or it'll, it'll warp you in this situation or whatever. And, you know, but other than that, you're kind of free to play around with them as much as you want, you know. Um, it's a lot, lot less of that <laughs> um, down the line. Um, I will say like the Sheikah slate's pretty magical when it comes to stuff like that. But again, like they, they kind of play it up to, Oh, this is tech. Like this isn't really magic. This is tech. Yeah. It's just tech. <laughs> it's an iPad. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, they definitely didn't like keep with that whole link is a, is a magical character. Um, 
thing. Like the older links seem to be way more magical than the newer ones. Uh, I agree. I agree. And it kind of makes you wonder if Ocarina of Time was going to do the same thing where like every sage gave you a medallion and the medallion was actually going to be a spell. I think, I think that was the case, but I'm not, I'm not solid on those details. They said, nah, changed it in post. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, they're all like, oh, we're going to lend you our power. And then in the end, it's like that power is kind of just you like don't a get nothing. key <laughs> to, to get <laughs> yeah. into the final area. Pretty Link's much. like, I was jipped. It's the power of friendship. Ganondorf will never know this power. He has no friends. <laughs> they should have just oh, given you the heart. Instead of giving you a heart container, they should have given you the heart when you got the medallion. So, like, your power was, like, I don't know, a little more spiritual life force or something added to you. Yeah. But instead, it was just still just a heart container. Yep. And you could just walk past it if you wanted to. Yep. <laughs> All right. So that is um that is our gameplay for this week. Uh, do we want to look at the manga? Yeah, I believe there's a little bit more to read. I looked at this before. I believe where we left off was we were in Chapter 8. We learned about the Silver Arrow, and we were speaking with Rome. And I think the last bit we left off at, I think there's still one more Yeah, it's one one paragraph before Chapter Mm 9. So we learn about the Swamp Palace in our manga, basically. Yeah. So there's a whole swamp of... Ooh. It looks like we're going to kind of be... We're not going to have a whole lot to talk about here. Um, yeah, it looks like it's talking about Turtle Rock a little sooner than we're going to go to Turtle Rock. Yeah. Uh, it's a mention of it. Yeah, I think I think maybe we can cover Chapter 9, and that's about it. I think Chapter 10 is going to be like already too far. But we'll, fig- we'll figure out as we go. If we need to stop in the middle of reading, that's fine. If you want, I can start with this last paragraph of 8. Uh, somebody else want to take the first and second paragraphs of nine, that'd be awesome. I'll take nine. All right, cool. So the duo head out to the palace, but discover that the area is completely dried up. Now we should probably figure out who was in that. Is that duo, is that Lincoln Ephraimelda? Ephraimelda, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Lincoln Ephraimelda. Rome, Rome's gone. Rome left. Yeah, Rome left. All right, great. Link calls to Sahasrala for help and asks him to go to the light world location of the Swamp Palace where Sahasrala and the boy accompanying him find a fountain surrounded by statues. The boy, able to see Link in the water of the fountain, warns Link of the monsters behind him, where a Hinox and a Taros shut the door to trap the young hero inside the palace. As the boy watches the battle between Link and the foes, he accidentally activates the statues that cause water to pour into the fountain. This leads to the swamp palace in the dark world to get flooded, washing away the monsters and Link. (laughs) All right. It was an accident. Oops. And that leads us to chapter 9, the Wizro's Trap. All right. The Hinox and Taros end up sinking as they struggle with each other, while Link's Master Sword is dragging him below the surface. Ephraimelda tells Link to stay afloat, for the water is almost up to an opening that the fairy had found earlier on. The young hero is then rushed into a new chamber, where he finds the second maiden imprisoned in her crystal. As Link makes his way to the Maiden, a large, tentacled monster attacks him. He thrusts himself with the Master Sword into the monster and defeats the creature, which spits out Link from the inside and gives him a chance to destroy the floating crystal where the Maiden is. The Maiden, now freed, thanks Link and tells him that Zelda is imprisoned in Turtle Rock, found at the end of the world, then vanishes. Ephraimelda tells Link of a map of the Dark World that is located in the Ice Tower, when suddenly Link hears Zelda contact him telepathically from beyond the Swamp of Evil. Ephraimelda, who cannot hear Zelda's calling, advises Link against going to the Wasteland since it is too dangerous, and once they get in there, there will be no way to escape. She recommends that they find the map first, but Link disregards her suggestion, for he (laughs) claims that if the wasteland is as dangerous as she says, then he has to rescue Zelda as soon as possible. Nice. This angers Ephraimelda, who claims that Link never worries about her and that all he ever talks about is Zelda, leading the fairy to indignantly leave Link's side. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Alright. Sure. So I think that's that's where we cut off because we're not at the wasteland yet. Gotcha. Okay. Cool, cool. So Ephraimelda is suddenly just like super attached to Link, even though they just met like a chapter and a half ago. 
Um, they got that Peter Pan Tinkerbell thing going on. Absolutely, yeah. That's the Peter Pan Tinkerbell thing going on. A little bit of a little bit of a, of a jealousy going on over here, um, where it's really misplaced because there's there's nothing. That, I don't know. It's just really strange comment there at the end. But um, but yeah, what is a Taros? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so. It was what I mentioned before. Oh, yep. yep Taros yep. is the guy who has like the, I don't know what you would call it, but it's like the wrapped off spear. Yeah. The batter, the battering spear, and it's like a rhino type dude. Yep. Got the horns on his helmet and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So one of those in a Hinox just come after Link. Okay. And then, so instead of like Link having to go back and forth through the worlds, he asks the Hasrala to go basically ch- turn the water for him. <laughs> <laughs> Which ends up working out, I guess. I don't know. It's, the kid had an accident. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it all works it out. There's a, the there's a tentacle monster. He, he gets some intel. Uh, him and Ephraimel to have a fight. I mean, this is pretty, pretty straightforward. This is a pretty small section of this manga. True. If we assume that that the part that doesn't really make sense about Ephraimelda like getting attached to Link, maybe that's not necessarily her saying like, "Oh, you're always talking about Zelda. Why don't you talk about me?" Kind of thing. It's more like, uh, "You're literally rushing headfirst into danger all of the time, not caring about yourself or me, the person traveling with you, because all you care about is getting to Zelda as fast as you possibly can." Is I I kind of think is that yeah. is a completely reasonable possibility that that is i think that's where she's going going with that makes a lot more sense and wasn't it wasn't it that i don't know if it was in i I feel like i've read this somewhere i believe it was in this manga but someone told link that he zelda is his destiny i i know those words were mentioned somewhere i don't know where but someone said zelda is your destiny that's Um, why i feel like link is just doing these crazy things yeah no the only thing i know of is um is is your uncle as he's dying? Is in at least in the English translation of Link to the Past says Zelda is your, and then it just goes dot dot dot, and there's no, mm. it just ends on an ellipsis. It doesn't actually say what Zelda is to Link. And then I think if you look at the Japanese translation, it's pretty similar, but it's more along the lines of Zelda's your dot or you know no you are Zelda's dot 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 something like that, which is probably like only hope or something like that. <laughs> but they didn't finish the quote. You're my only hope. Um, because you're basically the last person and you're the, you know, you'll, you'll end up being the hero, but your uncle probably doesn't know that. Lunker help. <laughs> Lunker. <laughs> but in the, I think, I think you might be right, Ken. I mean, like my, my, um, perception of this is definitely colored by some of the other lore or some of the other comics that I've heard of where Navi did have a thing for Link, even though that's not, mm. not also not in the game. <laughs> But for some reason, like, it was another one of those Tinkerbell situations where like, there's just weird jealousy between Navi and mm-hmm. criticizing Link for his focus on Zelda and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I it, It's just, yeah, having actually having the manga in front of us would help this a lot. But yeah, I mean, so it's funny. It seems like they're going to kind of give excuses for Link to go to some of the other places that we're going to see in-game. Um because the ice tower is a is a place. Just spoiler alert. Um, there's also, I mean, the wasteland. I don't really know what that's referring to, but um, but I know that there's like it's probably the desert. Yeah, I mean, there's a few other places they're gonna go. It looks like before they actually get to Turtle Rock, but um, or at least that get mentioned. So so hopefully that'll that'll play. If not, then we're pretty much gonna be. We're going to be putting this manga on hold for two or three dungeons before we get back to it. Yeah. They skip a couple. Yeah. Well, uh, cool, cool. All right, everybody. This has been our episode of A for No, B for Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us to, to correct us, give us some more information, let us know how you felt about the episode, uh, you can do so on our Twitter at A for No, B for Yes, or you can reach out to us via email at A for No, B for Yes at gmail.com. The actual spelling of those things um, will be in the episode description. Um, so yeah, catch us next episode in a few weeks from now. And, uh, we will, uh, uh, be returning with the, I don't even know what it's called. It's like the dark forest nonsense palace, but yeah, catch us then. <laughs> um, 
Thank you all for listening once again, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Don't forget to check out our streams. And did you get all that? Speaking of spam, Ivory's <coughs> got sent a buttload of spam from a couple of my friends to play Pokemon Unite. No, I thought you meant like literal spam, like they sent you canned meat. Well, they're sending me like videos of moves and characters and new things and items and memes. And it's there's been at this point like between the both of them like 30 Things. And I'm Do like, I like Pokemon Unite, but not. They're trying to get you to play Pokemon Unite or the new Pokemon. Which did you say? Pokemon Unite, because there's like a bunch of new characters now. There's like Azumarill, um, who is apparently one of the most OP characters that the game has ever seen, and so is Hoopa. Hmm. Honestly, I could feel that about Azumarill because I remember Steve Robish obliterated my team once with an Azumarill with double power, which I think was its hidden ability. Oh, makes the thing wow. hit like an absolute truck, dude. The thing, especially has, when you have 100 percent accuracy with play rough, you son of a. Thing has like just pound you with water moves, and then Hoopa, like it's it's just straight trickery. Like you can spawn fruits, you can transport people to different places, and then transport yourself. Like, what the heck, man? I was going to say, he should be based around teleport shenanigans for sure. Yo, he is. And I'm like, I kind of want to play. I know that Pokemon. Oh, you missed the one movie he was in? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't You didn't get him after X and Y came out? And it, or it was like, uh, was it Sun and Moon? No, I think it was X and Y. And it, it was like a year after the game came out, you have to go to the GameStop and get a special purchase so you can get the download code so that you can download him in-game. You didn't do that? Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> no, I got X and Y, and then I played X and Y. Or no, I got X, I should say. And then I played X, and then I said, I'm done with Pokemon. <laughs> and then I never went back. Yeah, it makes sense. At At least least that's fair, good. because in my opinion, that's the gen when it started going downhill. That's the last good gen. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I play Unite. I, say that gen I even played Unite, going downhill. But, yeah. I think all the way up until 5 was still good, although honestly I liked 1 through 4 the most. 5 is where I started to feel like Pokemon was stagnating, but I still played through it. And then 6 is where I started to really notice that the game was not anywhere near as fun as it used to be, and it kept getting worse. I liked yeah. the Pokemon in X and Y, though. That's the one thing I'll say. I thought X and Y was great until I beat the third gym because the pacing up until the third gym was fantastic, but then they rushed the rest of the game and it finished in like the same amount of time. And that's where I was like, yeah, I didn't end up enjoying that as much. I remember getting to the city and being like, this was the thing they advertised. How amazing. And then they played this cutscene of some rando walking up, just losing his mind about, I don't know, something he saw in the sky or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they like, didn't give any context for it, and they just cut away, and they were like, all right, keep playing your game now. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and then uh, and then somewhere towards the end, they tried to resolve it all around the legendaries or something, and I was like, no, this this story did not work. I'm done. <laughs> like, it, you know, back, back in the day, in the golden age of Pokemon, <laughs> Literally, like there was a whole tower with a story about how one got burnt down. Like there was lore all over the place about it. And then by the time you got to the legendaries, you knew exactly what was up. And it, True. it was, 
and it wasn't even like the main plot there was like a whole thing with team rocket and taking over the radio tower like those games were uh, yeah they made the rest of them look like garbage especially then, x and y like that uh, that was bad eventually pokemon just got in the habit of tying the team into the legendaries in one story basically every single time Instead of Team Rocket doing its own thing and the legendaries and the Mewtwo having its own backstory or the dogs having the burnt tower and the two legendaries and how they had their part to play in nature was totally irrelevant and not anything to do with the team. But then eventually they just didn't feel like doing that anymore. And they're like, we're just going to squish it all into one line and call it a day. Looks like Game Freak needs to take some lessons from Zelda team in writing. <laughs> and in programming. Look how good Breath of the Wild was, and look at Sword and Shield in comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we have an area in the game that you can move your camera. Revolutionary. Yeah, I heard Arceus was a good shift. Arceus was yes. revolutionary. But it wasn't enough. That's the, what I also heard. the mechanic of running out there and throwing a Pokeball and catching a Pokemon and that being the main gameplay mechanic kind of sounds like fun and on paper it's it looks okay and even watching someone do it it looks fun but then once you do it yourself an hour later you realize that's all this game has to offer mm. you're going to run around and you're going to hide in the grass and you're going to catch Pokemon after Pokemon after Pokemon after Pokemon and occasionally you'll fight and it'll be the same fighting as before just without a transition screen they did not do enough gotcha that's why I'm hoping the next game takes the good from Sword and Shield, which was minimal, and the good from Arceus, which was actually substantial, and combine them into a <laughs> game that's good. Mm-hmm. Well. Hoping. Not expecting. Hoping. 